What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Webcast. And in today's episode, we are going to take turns drafting the winners and losers of the 2023 NBA draft. But first, we are going to have Jordan and Butsy on to react to the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade as well as the Chris Paul trade. Welcome back to the Lovecast, everybody. I am joined tonight with my co-host Connor Butts. We're going to talk about the Kristaps Porzingis to the Celtics trade, the Marcus Smart trade. He ends up on the Grizzlies. It's been too long, honestly, since this has happened, and we haven't recorded, Butsy. What's what's going on with us? Yeah, we um we enjoyed ourselves this weekend. I, I think that's <laughs> the best way to put it. We we were slacking. We weren't committed to the game. Um, we had, we were going on a really good run um, up until the draft. I'd say we were cranking out content left and right. The finals was great, but we've been slacking, but but we're, we're here to get back on the grind and, and get back to giving people what they want. To be fair, we, we plan to record it, and then Poker Night just kind of sneaks up on you sometimes. Wiffle ball. You lose track of time playing wiffle ball and shit huge happens. wrench into the plans. <laughs> yeah, huge wrench. All right, let me break down this trade real, real quick. There's two sides to this trade, in my opinion. Obviously, we're a huge Celtics fan. So for me, this is there's a basketball side, there's a non basketball side because listen, Smart has been on the team for years. He's been in huge moments with us. He's played in over 500 games, a hundred something playoff games. He's been clutch. He's made us freaking lose our minds. He's made us scream at the TV and he's won us games. He's lost us games. It's, it's been a roller coaster. And with all that said, I, I didn't know how much it would hurt to actually see him go as a real Celtics fan and a diehard. Um, my mom cried. So there was that, that was sad. I mean, I, I watched a, a TikTok video of his highlights and he, I, I mean, it, to the sad music and I've watched that like 10 times. So, I, I mean, I'm a mess emotionally, um, but I think when you take a step back and you look at the trade, I think it's good in terms of uh, basketball stuff. I, I like it for the Celtics going forward. What are your uh, thoughts first on on Marcus Smart as a Celtic, his career here, and how just how it feels? You know, I think after this season, from a basketball standpoint, I was ready to move on. Uh, I think we were all ready to move on from Marcus Smart at the end of the season. Um, but, you know, it still hurts. I, I In the moment, I was happy. And, and the fact that it went from Brogdon to Smart in the span of, like, whatever it was, four hours, five hours was... Yeah, that was weird. Was, it was a roller coaster. Really it was a roller coaster. So for those that don't know, it was originally supposed to be Brogdon in that deal, um, but it didn't go through because of Brogdon's health concerns. He's getting surgery on his it's a ligament in his elbow that connects down to his forearm, something like that. It kept him out for a few games in the playoffs, and he was not himself when he came back. So I think that was a concern and why that deal didn't happen. But I was shocked that the Celtics were so uh, ready to pull the trigger on Smart after all he's given us. Um, the fact that we just kind of inserted him into that trade instead of Brogdon you know, within a couple of hours, I thought was surprising. Um, I'm shocked it didn't take a couple days. And, you know, Smart was completely blindsided by it. Um, he had no kind of intel that he was going to get traded. I think he probably had intel about the Brogdon side of it. But when that fell through, I guess the Celtics really, really must see something that they love in Kristaps. And, you know, enough to get rid of Smart, who has been here for nine years. Like Jordan said, has been through some of the greatest moments of, of our, you know, time watching the Celtics basketball um, but in the moment I was, I was very happy and I was pleased. And then the next day the montages came on TikTok, And once you like one, you see a thousand of them because the fucking algorithm and each <laughs> one was different. Each one had some different moments and, and, and it stunk. But, um, I think the Celtics did the right thing by moving on from Marcus smart. Um, we can get into more what, you know, what losing him means for this team, but 
I think it was the right business decision. I'm happy to have Kristaps. He had the best season that he's had in, in a long time. He looks fucking really good right now. Um, agile, athletic, and he'll protect the rim as well and can shoot the shit out of the three. So I think he'll fit seem like perfectly within this offense that we're running. Yeah, definitely. He will. And I think what you said about the, the smart being blindsided and like maybe knowing that they were going to ship Rogdon off and then all of a sudden it switches and it becomes smart. Like that's a, a just a crazy emotional roller coaster for him um for a franchise you've played for and given your all two for nine years you know he wanted to retire here obviously but i think it, it was it was more like from brad stevens and the celtics perspective it was we had too many guards we had too many guys with the ball in their hands and we needed to kind of consolidate that and go get some off ball players and when you look at brogdon or smart even if like guys like us think brogdon is a better piece and an overall uh, better impact player. Like you, you give the benefit of the doubt to the guy who you've had for nine years over the guy you've had for one. So I understand that. And then, you know, obviously Brogdon has the injury concern, so that doesn't go through, like you said, but man, it's, it's tough to see him go. He just kind of, he embodied what Boston was and what the Celtics fan base loved about watching this team. So it's tough, but let's get into what we think about this on-court fit with Kristaps Porzingis. He's coming off a year averaging 23 points, shot 38% from three. I think he had about eight rebounds. Kind of surprised me because he's seven, three. I thought he would be more in the at least 10, 11 range, but nonetheless phenomenal offensive player super efficient post-up guy can shoot the ball um the question i have for you with smart leaving there's going to be kind of a a playmaking vacuum i think who do you think steps into that role i think it's going to be jalen brown i think jalen brown yeah answer I know, I know. And after the past two years with his ball handling and his playmaking ability, it's been it's been very subpar. Um, I think he's gonna step into that role. I really do. I think he's gonna fucking work his ass in this offseason, especially if we get him signed soon, um, and get him locked in and locked down with us. I think if we can get that figured out sooner than later, I think Jalen Brown will just wanna work fucking hard and get better because there's glaring issues in his game um that I think need to get fixed and and I think he will be able to do it. Um, I think it's important to note too that I don't think the Celtics are done making moves. I think there there's a lot of you know they went out and got a shit ton of second round picks in this draft instead of taking the uh, what do we have? We had twenty five originally, and then we yeah. had thirty five and thirty nine. Then we just ended up with thirty five and got a shit ton of second round picks in the future. Uh, we know the value of those second round picks is increasing year by year. So I feel like the the Celtics have a lot of they could do with those picks and possibly go out and get a playmaking point guard. Um, so I, I don't think they're done. I don't think Brown will have to be the primary playmaker. I think someone will, will step into the, to those shoes. Um, I think if Brogdon gets healthy, I think he could easily be, um, that playmaker as well. Um, but he needs to get healthy first. I think, what was it? He averaged like eight assists a game his rookie year or something like that. I'm looking at he it averaged- right now. He had seven, one year, I think in, uh, Indiana and, it's weird because when he came to the Celtics, he was nowhere close to a playmaker. Like he was strictly right. a, a come off the bench and get buckets guy. But I think he can. I think he can be a playmaker, um, especially with the talent. Like you think about the talent he had in Indiana versus the talent that he has now with this team. I mean, it's it's not even comparable. So, the talent around him, you mean? Yes, the talent around him. The, so I think it's it's easy to get those assist numbers up when you're dishing the ball to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, and now Chris stops as well. So I'm excited. Um, but I, I think Jalen Brown will step up as a playmaker. I, I want us to talk about 
the intangibles that Smart brought to this team. Um, there's a huge leadership vacancy on this team. And everyone oh, yeah. says, oh, Tatum's a pussy. Tatum's a bitch. Tatum's this. Tatum's that. Tatum's still 25 years old. No fucking superstar has won their first ring like unless like until the age of 27, 28, 26. We've we can go down the list. Giannis, LeBron, Steph, all of these guys have not won until their late 20s. Um, who steps up and fills that leadership role? Is it Tatum? Is it someone else? Because uh, I think it has to be Tatum if we're going to win a title. Yeah, it's funny. I told my dad about the the trade and it was originally Brogdon and he was like really excited. And because he knows how good Chris Stops is, I mean, he he only remembers his rookie year. I'm, I, I think, <laughs> as most Capital yeah, fans right. would. Yeah. But he was really excited, and I and then I told him it switched to Smart, and he was like, "Who's gonna die for loose balls now?" And I was like, "Shit, dude, that's a good point. Good point. It's a great point. <laughs> Who's gonna take a charge? Who's gonna box out the guy that they don't want to box out?" And it's a really good question because this team you can see is just at times soft and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like they just simply are soft. They're not physical enough. They, they don't have enough want to and grit. Sometimes they get mentally rattled really easily when things don't go well, especially down the stretch. So it's a huge leadership issue. And I think it, it does have to be Tatum. Now, do I think it will be Tatum? I don't know. He's really young. And this is the first time that smart's not going to be there for him or another alpha, like he's he's had Kyrie, he's had Smart. Um, Ime was a really good leader. I don't know if Joe Mazzula is is that alpha dog of a coach who can be a leader. I do love what we've done with the coaching staff. I think the leadership stuff for Tatum might take a little time. I think the playmaking stuff, though, you said it's going to be Jalen Brown. I think it'll be Tatum. I, I think it'll be a mix between Brogdon and Tatum. Obviously, Brogdon's probably going to be the guy who brings the ball up. And Tatum, you know, he's he's a more talented scorer, so he's going to get more shots up. But I do think Tatum will see he needs to become like these other – you look across the league and you see guys like Luka, you see guys like Shea, um, you know, these, these tall, long guys, strong guys who can create for others and also score for themselves. I think he's going to realize that he needs to become a little bit more like that. And he tried uh, – we saw it more two years ago. He really tried to take a take a step up playmaking, and he did until we got to deep in the playoffs and the Warriors kind of figured us out. The Heat gave him trouble. So I think he's going to have to improve that, and I do believe he'll take another step as a playmaker. The leadership stuff, I, I just don't know. I think we're so young, and it's so hard when you've never – had that role before and Tatum's also just he's so laid back and he's right as, as a superstar you want your your guy to be loud and get after guys sometimes um and just just show some emotion and I think at times you you want some more of that from Tatum but I still have a lot of hope for this team I don't think we've talked about Chris stops enough so what do you what is your feeling of what the on-court offense is going to look like and the defense like how how are we different than we are last year with the addition of Porzingis well I just think it's an upgrade at that position I think it's an upgrade over Al and and honestly Al has given us some great years some great plays and great runs but he's old it was it was it was apparent towards the end his defensive ability was kind of lacking I know Rob Will was great but I mean if you fucking have a front court of 
Rob Will and Kristaps, or you want to go like that two big lineup, that's a fucking scary two big lineup. You want to talk about an Al and a fucking Rob lineup being scary? Think about Kristaps and Rob. That's a terrifying, terrifying big lineup. I'm liking that a lot. That makes me really happy. Um, But I think he fits in um, really well with what we're trying to do. Uh, We're always going to be a team that spaces the floor and relies on the three. Um, And I think he brings in a great volume of three-point shooting, but also he can put the ball on the deck when he needs to. He really can. Like that, like that's been something he's gotten better at as his career has progressed is the ball handling, um, being able to take guys off the dribble, uh, especially slower bigs. Like he's able to get to the rim and, and get by him. So um, I think he's going to like absolutely add an element, uh, another element, another weapon to this offense. Uh, I really like what he can bring to this team. I'm a big fan of his, but I think, it's going to take a little bit to kind of get adjusted to the system. Obviously um, when you go from a team like Washington to the Celtics, where they had no sense of direction and like no kind of cohesiveness as a team and no togetherness to a team that's looking to contend and is the favorites to win the finals next year. There's going to be a, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for Chris stops. Um, do I think he will do it? Absolutely. All, you know, all professionals, if he's a good enough professional, he'll be able to, cause that's what professionals do. Uh, but I'm, I'm very excited to have him on the team. Yeah, he's certainly an extra weapon. I also think I, I love what you mentioned about the lineup stuff because not only is it Kristaps and Rob that you can go, but now you can go five out and you can have Kristaps playing center. You, you don't lose much size, and you still have five guys on the court who can shoot and shoot really well. Like right. it, it's not just oh we can't leave that guy wide open. Like no, these guys can all hit shots. If you go, if you go, Brogdon, Jalen. Uh, Tatum, Derek White, and Kristaps on the court like that. That is a really hard five to run off the three point line and keep from scoring. So, I I like that lineup. I also think you can go Allen Kristaps and you still have five shooters. So there's a lot of stuff we can do. It was clear this year that Al kind of ran out of gas um, in our playoff run, and like you said, he's been awesome for us for so many years. And in two different stints too, which is yeah, awesome. Right. So he's a he's a legendary Celtic already, but I think Rob can't stay on the court. Al's aging rapidly. This could be his last year, and we clearly needed less ball handlers and more big men. So I think we accomplished right. that goal very very well. 100%. All right, last thing on this: Vegas won this trade happened, moved the Celtics to the overall favorites is it an overreaction i think yes i 100 percent agree i just want to say one more thing about the al rob yeah yeah go for it the trio that the, the front court trio they can split minutes like al now can't play the minutes that he used to rob just can't stay on the floor but if you decrease both of their minutes and you know give them to Kristaps and they can split time this team could be healthy for an entire season like it, that's yeah. crazy to think that Rob could be healthy for an entire season playing, you know, less significant minutes or less, you know, less minutes throughout the season and then be able to ramp it up in the playoffs. Like that is a fucking really, really good thing that I like to think about. Um, but yes, going back to what you were saying, I think it's a complete overreaction. Uh, I, I don't think this immediately makes us the favorites. Like it's not Chris Hobbs is a big name. They can do a lot for this team, but Ve- we know Vegas loves the Celtics. I yeah, think when we, when so we it's beat, a love affair, dude. I don't I know. I, it's crazy. Hey, we were down 3 0, and we were still, we still had like reasonable odds. Plus 140. It's like <laughs> yeah. insane. And then um, after we beat Philly, we were even odds to win the title. 
Yeah. Like that's that's fucking crazy. But I still think Denver's the favorite, in my opinion. Um, if they just keep the same team and run it back, there's no reason why this team shouldn't be a favorite. Um, but I think if the Celtics go out and make another move for like a playmaking guard, um, more, someone who can facilitate an offense and, you know, get Tatum and Brown the ball in spots where they need to, uh, where they're best able to score and produce for this team, then I think that could be a different discussion. Why, if the Celtics should be favorites, um, I want a little more toughness out of this team as well with that guard, whoever it may be. Because right now Denver would just bully the shit out of us, in my opinion. I like not Dude. size wise, but just like yeah. mentality wise. Like they got us fucking cooked by a mile. Yeah, I mean they're so cohesive and just always on the same page. Yeah, I also think with the Brogdon thing, the guy got traded, and it's not like that was private or held under wraps. Like everyone right. knows the Celtics wanted to move on from him, and now like you have to come back to training camp and just act like that didn't happen if they end up keeping him, that's why I'm kind of with you with maybe they're not done. Maybe they still move Brogdon and you fill that role with a true playmaker. Although I do still think Brogdon can be that. I just think it's a adjustment. Um, but yeah, anything else on the Celts? I mean, do you like us over Milwaukee? Like let's say Milwaukee brings back Brooke and uh, Chris Middleton. Like I, I still, I, I think that's a great series, but I still would favor Milwaukee as an unbiased basketball fan. I I think I would too. I think Drew Holiday is the difference maker in that on in that seat in that in that series and on that it's mentality team. too. Like like you're it's the same thing with Denver. Like they have us beat by a mile. They're just mentally tougher. Um, be interesting to see what they do with the new coach though. Um, I I think that's gonna be a learning curve. But this team is you know it's still the same core group. I don't know if Brooke will be on Milwaukee by the time the season starts. I really don't. I I know there's a number of teams. Uh, Houston, I think, was the big one coming out for, uh, you know, they, they were going to go after Brooke hard. But well, if I you were Brooke, if, if you were Brooke at this point in your career, like, do you go get paid and just throw away your last chance to win a ring? Or do you try and come back to Milwaukee? Like he he did win a ring. So yeah. who knows? But he's made a shit ton of money. I don't know. I think a pay cut isn't out of the question. I would kind of expect a pay cut. I would expect it. I would expect him to, t- pick, uh, to take a pay cut, too. But it depends what. Houston's thrown at him, you know, yeah, it's like I, it, it is, there's a point where you just take the fucking money That's yeah, at, that, at some point. Right. I mean, yeah. He may just like, we want to win now. We want to contend. Dude, uh, you're going to pay Brooke fucking 35 million a year. Like <laughs> yeah. you go get, you go get 35 million a year, Brooke. Do that. Yeah. Build around Brooke and Jalen Green, dude. See how that works out for you. I know. All right. I'm going to say one, one final piece about the Celtics and then we'll move on. Um, that leadership and playmaking, in my opinion, I think can go hand in hand. Um, whoever steps up as that playmaker, I think will step up as the leader as well. Um, when you have a guy who's facilitating the ball, getting everyone on the same page, making sure everyone's all in sync from a playmaking perspective, that also translates to being a leader and and understanding like and having a relationship with these guys that, yeah, I didn't hit you here, but I'm going to get you next time. Or right. I want you to get in this spot because I know you can fucking score here. But that's you know that type of leadership from a point guard or some kind of guard brogdon i don't know if he'll do that because just because he seems to be a little bit outspoken or not a, like a vocal leader uh yeah. in that sense but you know that that's my that's my two cents on that i agree i think you you definitely get some of that but being the new guy on a established roster it's tough to just be instantly yeah. the big vocal leader i think this season is all about jason tatum for me obviously Jalen needs to go get in the gym and learn how to dribble better. 
and not turn the ball over. But that'd be, that'd be nice. <laughs> that that would certainly be helpful. But I do think Tatum needs to elevate his game and become one of the guys that you look at as okay, that guy is going to just take over games and win mm-hmm. games at will. And he has taken over games, but you just I just don't think you get that feeling like, oh, he's a top five guy. And right. historically, you've needed a top five guy to, to go win a championship. So I think it's a lot about Tatum, his leadership, his playmaking, um, even, you know, his shot making and, and decision making at times. But consistency from him, too. Yeah. You know, he's hot and Definitely. cold. It's I like mean, he, he averages 30, but it's because he scores 35, 38 and then 22. It's not or he goes he up 30 a night. Or he goes 15 and then 50, like in Philly right. series. I mean, right. you're completely right about that. All right. We'll obviously have the whole summer to talk about the Celtics, so I'm sure we'll get more on them. Maybe talk about the coaching staff a little bit at some point. Sam Cassell, big fan yeah, of yes, Yeah, Sam Cassell. We're going to move on now to another trade. NBA offseason's heating up. Chris Paul goes to the Warriors. Um, Obviously, the Wizards wanted to ship Chris Paul off as soon as they got him. The Warriors wanted to move off Jordan Poole's contract and kind of sucks. I mean, you're Jordan Poole, you get punched in the face and then just get shipped off, but shipped away. <laughs> t- yeah. tough ending. Um, but what do you think of Chris Paul and the Warriors? I don't, I don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand it unless you're going to, I saw, uh, I know we've talked about this off air a little bit, but I saw an ESPN post and it was like Warriors potential starting five. And it had Chris Paul and Steph Curry in the same starting lineup. I don't think that's going to work. You want to talk about what the Warriors offense is. It's off ball movement and screens, right? You have Draymond facilitating and or setting screens and doing all the shit and fucking running around and hitting people. No one stands still in that offense besides Kevon Looney. Even he moves to set off ball screens for Curry and Clay and get the shooters open. No one stands still. What does Chris Paul do? He brings the ball up and stands still and passes. He's not going to fucking cut off the ball, you know, set screens. He's too small to set screen off ball screens. Um, he's not fast. This team is this team plays fucking so quick. I don't really like the fit for Chris Paul yeah. in Golden State. I really don't. I don't understand it unless you want him to lead a second unit. But you can't have Chris Ball, in my opinion, be on the floor with Curry, Draymond, Wiggins, and Looney coming down the stretch in, in, in crunch time. Yeah, long story short is Chris Paul plays slow, and he's great in his own right. Like, he's a very good player, but the Warriors play at – one of the fastest paces in the league. It might be the fastest pace in the league. That them and them and the Kings who played each other in that awesome series. That was a probably incredible series. Yeah, I mean they're probably right up there in terms of pace. And Chris Paul is a pick and roll guy. He's obviously aging. I don't know how old he is. He's like thirty seven. He's ancient at this point, so he's yeah. not going to be trying to get up and down super quickly. I think Chris Paul and Steph work offensively because Paul is so good as a playmaker, and they're both super smart. I don't think Chris Paul and Draymond really work together because what does Draymond do when Chris Paul has the ball in his hands? Then he's he's just an off-ball screener. And then, I don't know, do you have Looney on the floor? Because if you don't have Looney on the floor, then you're tiny and you can't rebound, you can't defend. Like, I, I think it's – I think offensively they'll be all right because, like I said, smart basketball players figure it out. Uh, Chris Paul and Steph Curry trying to defend a good team I think is going to be <laughs> a really – really big issue when you have two guys you can target like that. And Steph's gotten really a lot better on defense, but being six, three in the NBA is just, it's hard, no matter how, (laughs) how much you work on your defense, how much, how, how much weight you lift in the off season. Like 
but I I think Chris Paul can lead a second unit, and I think they can absolutely. I I just don't know. I like, think they can find a role for him. There there will yeah. be a role for Chris Paul. Kerr's good enough, and the Warriors are good enough, and they're professional enough. I know I said this about Kristaps, but that I I really hope that Chris Paul will be willing to accept a second unit role, and and I think they'll I think he can find that with Kerr. I hope he would be willing to accept it too, but he is good enough to start on a lot of teams. I know many, we always we always make the joke about Tyus, but like this is yeah, a situation you know, it's, where it's true. It's <laughs> yeah. not a joke. It's just the truth. Some some truth behind the <laughs> Tyus joke. Chris Paul might be able to start on like twenty five other teams. So right. it's just it's so strange to see a good player like that have to come off the bench. I think he'd be willing to do it. I also think. He probably doesn't need to play a ton during the regular season. You may might just save him for the playoffs and have him play like I don't know, sixty something games if he can. Where do you have the Warriors in overall title favorite rankings? I think they should be. You know what? I I we have a TikTok about this, and then I kind of laid it out when I was talking with Ludwith. If they can stay healthy, get a full season of of their death lineup and their in their full team. I know Wiggins had so all what's the, the death issue. lineup? I mean, what is it? Is, Chris Paul's not in there. No, he's not. Okay. No. All right. Yeah. He's not. He's I'm not with you. It's 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 their five. It's uh fucking Steph, Clay, Dre, Looney, and Wiggins. Yeah. That's the five. That is the five. That is when they're when they're on and when they're healthy and when they're clicking. I mean, they just won the title two years ago. Like yep. with the same team. You know, I know Jordan Poole played a really good playoff series and, and had a great playoff run that season and was definitely a huge, you know, key to them winning the finals. But it's still, you know, Steph, Clay, and Dre. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's three. I know Wiggins, Clay, Wiggins is a big piece. Wiggins was out. Wiggins was the difference I mean, maker, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think they should be right up there with, with the best teams in the league when it comes to title favorites. Um, Like I was trying to get into earlier, Curry was injured a lot of the season. Um, Wiggins off the court issues didn't play when he came back. He did not look like, you know, he was ready for the playoff atmosphere, which is totally fine. I mean, you miss an entire season, they get thrown off into thrown into the playoffs. You're not going to be, uh, you know, the same player you are when you play the whole season. So if you give me a full season of healthy warriors, there's no reason why they shouldn't be right up there with Denver, uh, in, in possibly Phoenix and some of the best teams in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah. I like them better than Phoenix currently constructed i do too i do too phoenix is super top heavy denver's one overall across the mm-hmm. board i think the bucks i would have two then i would go celtics i think and then you get into it's probably golden state i think right yeah. it has to be i think so um so i mean philly do we believe in philly no fuck no <laughs> fuck philly all right here's lakers I lakers lakers are right oh, there don't not, don't fucking no oh, don't give me not. that don't give me that, dude. Op- I'm not opening <laughs> the this Lakers. Door. I might, might have the Lakers three. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slot them right in there at three. Oh Jesus! All right, here's a, here's a trivia. According to Stat Muse, who was the fastest paced team in the NBA this season? Okay, I, it's I, not. I'll just give you a hint. It's not someone you're gonna think about immediately. Oh really? It, yeah. Oh, is it a bad team? Is it like the Rockets? Uh, it's it's not a great team. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's not the Spurs. Hawks. The San Antonio Spurs. Oh, really? The wow. San Antonio Spurs were the fastest team, highest pace per game played by a team this season with 1.24. Uh, 
uh, 1.24 belong to the Golden State Warriors as well, uh, as well as the Lakers, Warriors, and Spurs all had a 1.24, um, you know, pace per game. I don't know exactly what the metric is, but I really trust StatMuse. I think everyone uses StatMuse. StatMuse is awesome. Yeah. Relies on it heavily. So whatever the fuck that metric is, trust it. Um, so yeah, the, the Spurs <laughs> were the, high, the fastest paced team in the league. You want to know that? That that metric is going to blow up now that Butsy said to trust yeah. it. That's going to be trust all it. we talk about. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if that changes with when. Pace, pace per game. <laughs> that, that can't be what it's called. All right. The Spurs had the highest pace per game played <laughs> okay. by a team. All right, that's what it's called. All right, StatMuse. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Butsy's going to the Bahamas soon. Thursday, we're out of here. What What's the plan, dude? Um, oh, yeah, fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's a really, I've never been. Um, I, I've, I'm, I'm overjoyed to be going. Um, everyone in my family besides me has been, so I think it's my turn to kind of, you know, get, get acclimated with that spot. Uh, heading down on Thursday. Gonna get there around like four o'clock on Thursday. Gonna um just drink probably a lot, uh, which is <laughs> legal would, there. Maybe on the plane. Start on the plane. Maybe start on the plane. Maybe start <laughs> on the plane. You know, a few airport beers. I know that's up there for top tier beers. Um, oh yeah. And, and uh, just gamble, gamble a lot. And then uh, Friday we're playing the Ocean Club, so which is the the course on the like on like part of the resort and all that. So that's gonna be great and just going to enjoy the, some good company, some good, some good beach vibes and just, you know, have some fun and then get yeah, right back to it. You know, mix in like three or four podcasts on the trip, probably just. Yeah. Yeah. In the casino <laughs> at the blackjack table. Yeah. This, this trade is really, is really crazy. Um, yeah. One more thing before we, before we conclude, uh, I saw something today, you know, you know, I'm a big legal alerts guy on Instagram. Oh, you, know, you, you certainly I, are. I'm probably, I, I don't, I like would be sad to admit that I would have their post notifications on, but I don't. <laughs> Um, according to Chris Haynes, reliable mm-hmm. reporter, uh, the Phoenix Suns are moving forward with the plan of keeping DeAndre Ayton to play alongside Booker, Durant, and Beal. See, I just, there's, Legal Alerts is great. Don't get me wrong. Chris Haynes is great. Mike Dunleavy, who was like the GM of the Warriors, said that they were yeah. keeping Jordan Poole. So I yeah. just don't believe this. Four shit. days later, he was gone. <laughs> I just don't – I'm not going to believe the stuff when I see, like, you clearly need to move a guy. I'm not going to believe you until you tip off the season or the trade deadline hits or something. I don't know. Okay. So how do you feel about this one? Nas Reed agreed to a new three-year, $42 million deal with a player option with the Timberwolves. So I mean, they're playing yeah, – He had they a have, great season. He, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But you have Nas Reed, you have Carl Anthony Towns, and you have Rudy Gobert. Well – I mean, the Rudy Gobert thing was just unfixable. So you can't you can't fault Nas for Rudy being on the team. I mean, true. Go go get paid, young man. True. I agree. All right. I want to shout out one more thing. We're gonna start a new segment at some point coming soon. Still workshopping the name because the coach's corner is already taken. It's like a, it's a that was one. like an old ESPN thing or something. But we're gonna start having some some college coaches on here for some interviews, talk about their careers. Um, first one is going to be coach Eddie Morrissey, a football coach from URI best buds with my dad. So we're going to have him on soon. Uh, if anyone has any name ideas, Butsy, give me something. I'm thinking the coach's chair thoughts from the coach's chair, the, the coaches, I don't know. Coaches stand (laughs) the stand with podium, the podium. Oh, the podium. I want the coach to be in there, but like coaches podium. I don't know. Well, we're gonna workshop it, dude. You know, we we you know, all it is is a few beers and a notepad, and it, and it, we'll have a fucking list of fifty names, and yep. none of them are probably gonna be good. Yep, pros and cons for each. 
three hours deep. Be good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. We are going to hand it over now. I think Max and Letty are going to do a full draft recap segment. So we'll be right back with that. Thank you for listening. All right. Here with the guys. And today we are going to be drafting the winners and losers from the 2023 NBA draft. Each guy is going to take one winner and one loser. We're going to start with Letty. Then we're going to go to Butsy. Then we're going to go to Jordan. And then I will take the fourth pick. So Letty, you're starting off. Actually, you can take a winner or two losers or two winners, whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, I had a little trouble deciding between just one winner. I want to throw it out there that you can take Rockets, two winners if you want. Yeah, but I want to take a loser too. So the Rockets are a winner and well, the Jazz are a winner. Okay. So one, it's a draft. I'm only, I'm only going to do one. I'm only going to do one. I'm only going to do one. Well, yeah. <laughs> Okay. You just, you just took two and said, I'm only going to talk about one. <laughs> like saying, I like Scoot. doesn't get drafts. I like Scoot, but I'm going to also take Brandon. Brandon okay. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So I'm going to talk about the Rockets then. So they got Amen Thompson at four. Um, we know what he brings to the table. Like Max was talking about before, 99 percentile athlete. Um, he is potential is sky high roofs the limit with him um what i don't like is he's a ball dominant player and they have kevin porter jr and jalen green already on their team so and it's gonna be interesting to see how that works out and how he plays off the ball i think he can be an effective cutter and an effective slasher as a wing he cannot shoot Uh, i said the roof is the ceiling whatever fuck it um enough amen thompson I want to talk about Cam Whitmore slipping to 20. I was so excited about Cam Whitmore going to the Rockets. I think the Rockets wanted Cam Whitmore as their number four pick. He fell all the way to 20. We know he had lottery potential. We know his body's NBA ready. Um, I saw a quote on him earlier that said, he explodes off the dribble like a semi-truck with a Ferrari's accelerator. That just tells you about how NBA ready he is. Um and not many teams after draft night can say that they came away with two building blocks for a franchise potentially. And I think the Rockets did with Amen and Cam. Um, I think Ime is going to have his work cut out for him with, um, I don't know, the Rockets, they're, they're young players, they're immature. And Cam Whitmore definitely fits that profile, as we heard Woj report saying that um, Cam Whitmore did horrible during workouts and he also wasn't great during interviews. And that's why. Teams think he dropped that much, plus his physicals. Um, but I think Amen and Cam could be in the league for 10, 15 years easy. Yeah, and this is one of the most athletic backcourts and front courts, and the different variations of what they could throw on the floor. I mean, you could have a closing um, lineup of Jalen Green, Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, and then either Tari Eason or Elprin Shangun or Jabari Smith or Hans Garuba. Like, there is a lot of athleticism on that court. You can go big, you can go small. And I'm really excited for what they're doing. I think Ime is actually the perfect coach for them. He can really tighten this team up and make sure that they actually play defense or he'll bench them. So this was my, I think the biggest winner of the draft, in my opinion, other than obviously this, well, I guess I'm not going to do it because we're doing a draft here, but yeah, the Rockets are the biggest winner in my opinion. Um, But see, it is now your turn to draft. Who are you picking? I'm going to take a loser and I'm going to take the Pistons. Um, I don't believe in Amen, Amen, or 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 his brother uh, uh, Usar, 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 right? It's Asar. pretty simple. A- Amen and Asar. 
Ahmed and Asar. I don't believe in Asar. I don't believe in either of these brothers because if you want to look at who they played in OT Elite, nobody. They play where they're playing a bunch against the fucking 17 and 18 year olds. Anybody who played Division One college has proved more than these kids have, in my opinion. I really don't think that. I think they're incredibly athletic, athletically gifted, and I do believe that they have some talent. But I don't think that they have the ability to have what it takes to jump to the NBA level right now. Um, I think they're definitely many years away. I know they're only 19, but when it comes to like, I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, the Pistons had a really good sense of direction uh, this past year with, with building up their core. I really feel like they were doing a good, great job with that uh, to make this jump. Um, I felt like they needed some, kind of someone who was a little more proven, but they're taking a big gamble with Asar Thompson. Um, and, and I think in my opinion, it's too big of a gamble. Uh, I don't really have that much faith because, of kind of the overtime elite, that whole structure and who he's played against. Um, he's playing against 16, 17, 18 year olds. He's not even playing against anybody. Um, excuse me, who um, has proven themselves as like a division one player against some of the best talent in the country. Uh, so I just don't have a ton of faith in it. I thought the Pistons were going in the right direction. I think this kind of set them back a little bit. Um, I, I thought they took a step back with this pick in my opinion. Wow, I, I completely disagree with you, Bless. I'm sorry, but athleticism is the one thing that translates across all leagues and everything. I mean, you guys, I mean, I know Asar isn't the 99th percentile athlete that Amen is, but he's a 90th percentile athlete. He's, he's probably as athletic as DeMar DeRozan, and he is, in my opinion, the one that will be the safer pick of the two brothers because of his jumper and his mechanics on his jumper. He looks to have a base where he can actually get a shot going. Um I think he went to a, re a much better situation in Detroit than in Houston. I know I just praised what they could do, but with Detroit, I mean, he has facilitators and um, another great coach in Monty Williams. I just think he's not going to be playing with a bunch of guys that are all trying to get touches. Like in Houston, it's, it's kind of like a group of piranhas and there's blood in the water and that's the ball. Like they're all going to try and attack for shots and there's not going to be a lot of passing, but with Detroit, they actually play uh, basketball and they, really know what they're trying to do. I think Asar got into a really good position, and I like the pick there for them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can see what you're saying, because Overtime Elite, literally, like, they would have, like, they would, like, shut the lights out during games and have, like, you know, like, they would, like, darken the lights and play loud music. It was not a professional it's like live. It was like the live of college yeah. basketball. Yeah, but, like, with no stars out of it, you know, like, live at least had legit players. This was, like, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying there, because that was my biggest question was, like, this is not a legit, this is like the LaVar Ball um, League. So I can understand where you're coming from with that. But I do think that athleticism can translate at the very most, or at the very least, rather. So I guess my only rebuttal against myself and, and the reason why I can see your point is he's 19. He's a fucking freak athlete. If you look at some of the other names, other guards that got drafted, late lottery or, you know, later second round, like Jalen hood Shafino from Indiana or Keontae George from Baylor, like... I, I, in my opinion, personally, I would rather have those two proven players. Even Jordan Hawkins, I think, was fucking elite. I thought he slid big time this year. Um, I know a lot of big men went kind of early in the draft. Like Anthony Black, I think that's a really bad pick. Um, so I just felt like that there, there was other options that could have gone um, rather than Asar. Uh, proven college athletes who have been, who were really prolific in their college careers um, and, and kind of could bring in some more. Um, I guess NBA readiness to the, to the Pistons. Not that they really need it because they're not really looking to win, but um, I, I always think it's good to have.
Yeah, I I understand your thoughts on it. Um, okay, my pick for the winner is the my or my first winning team is the Dallas Mavericks. Um, and most of this isn't in, even necessarily draft related. They traded down with um OKC and they get rid of Bertons, which is huge. They need to get rid of that salary that frees up a lot of money. And then they also traded with Sacramento and they absorb Rashawn Holmes uh, as a part of their Bertons TPE. And Rashawn Holmes is good, is like a a formidable backup. Um, And he just was getting overpaid, but now you absorbed him. I think they had a $5 million TPE. So his contract goes from 12 million to 7 million. Um, That's a lot more doable. 12 million a year for Rashawn Holmes is is an overpay. So for them, they get a formidable backup big man um, in Rashawn Holmes, who is a good pick and roll guy. That's kind of perfect with Luca. You can get him the ball. He's a lob threat, and he's kind of insurance for Maxi Kleber and um, Dwight Powell, and allows for you to get rid of Christian Wood, who I am not a fan of at all. Um, and then they also drafted uh, Derek Lively the second and uh, Maxop, Maxop, whatever his last name is. I can't. I keep forgetting his name. It's it's or no Omax Omax. Uh, whatever his name is, Prosper. Prosper, there it is. His name's been driving me nuts. I I keep getting it. Olivier for Marquette. Yes, yes. Olivier Maxence Prosper. Um, that's who I wanted the Celtics to get. This guy you can plug in play right away. Um, good three and D wing. I mean, he's he's just really solid, really really athletic. Um, he has good hands, good blocking. I I'm I'm a, I'm a, I really like him as a player, and you can just insert him right into this lineup, and he's kind of I- the ideal guy that you want to put Luca with because. He's not going to command the ball. He lacks in playmaking a little bit, so he's really perfect to go alongside Luca, who handles all the playmaking duties, and is just going to be like, go get to your spots. I'll, I'll get you there. And then you you took a chance on Derek Lively the second. I mean, he had a really terrible uh, season this year for Duke, but he came alive a little bit towards the end. I don't think he made a shot outside of the paint for a really long time. Um, he's battled injuries, but he was a top, he was the number one rated recruit at a high school. Um, he's a great option for you know, developing a big, I think at the floor, he could be JaVale McGee and they've already had JaVale McGee and he was relatively successful there with Dallas. So the big thing is getting off the Bertons contract. You open up some space to sign a free agent or try to bring someone over and you get rid of Bertons, which is always a plus. And then you bring in a formidable backup in Rashawn Holmes, as well as a formidable potential backup in Derek Lively is second. And then you get uh, Omax, who you can put into your to your lineup right away and get some flexibility out of him. So I th- I think they did a really, really good job. I agree. I think the Mavs honestly could have been my winner. Derek Lively, like you said, came in as the number one recruit. He couldn't shoot, but I do think if he develops a jump shot, he can be big time steal at number 12. And then also Omax going at 24, the Celtics had 25 and traded it right after um, that pick. And I'm wondering if they wanted Prosper at 25 and then their guy got stolen and they traded back. Um, so I think the Mavs did a really good job. I'm going to go to the Blazers. And honestly, I don't know if they're a winner or a loser. I'm going to take them as a winner. Cause I think getting scoot at three is a, a big deal. And I think he's the second best player in this draft. I think in a lot of other drafts, scoot goes number one. Now, the reason I'm not sure if they're a winner or a loser is because I don't know what they're doing with Damian Lillard because they keep saying these different things like we're going to trade him. We're not going to trade him. We want to contend. We want to rebuild. And they have all these young guys now. They have Scoot. They have um, Anfernee. And it's like they're addicted to 
undersized ball first, score first guards. I, I don't understand like what the roster construction is right now, but I'm taking them as a winner because I believe that they're going to trade Dame. I don't think you would draft Scoot and keep Dame at the same time. So I think getting Scoot at three is a steal. I think he's going to be their point guard of the future. And if they trade Dame for young assets and picks, I think they have a really good young rebuild in progress. So Blazers are a winner for me. Dude, I am so pissed that Scoot went to the Blazers. That's like the worst team for him to go. Um, you just It's so clogged there. I mean, you have all the type of Scoot-type players, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, and Dame Lillard. Um, and you're going to bring Scoot in there and try to bring him along. I think what the Blazers should have done is traded Dame already um, because if the market's not there for your number three pick, just trade Dame at this point. I mean, like, what is the upside with Dame? What are you going to get? Um, Portland's not a free agent destination. Your biggest asset, the number three pick, no one wanted, um, and the trade market dried up for that. At that point, just make a decision and trade Dame. It's clear that he's going to be wanting to get out very soon because you you aren't going to be able to put together a winning team around him right now. And yeah. I just think I hate that Scoot got put into this position because I he other than Wemby, Scoot is like my favorite player in this draft, and I think is the one that could be the highest. Not Wemby's on a different level, but Scoot could be excluding Wemby like the best player in this class. So I, I the pick is the right pick. You're right. Like you but, always take the talent. Butsy, weren't you reporting that if they didn't trade this pick, that they would move Dame and do you still believe that's going to happen because I believe that's going to happen yeah I, I I they said it was either um they keep what was it what I what did I say it was sorry it was they were either going to trade number three or trade Dame they're going to trade Dame I I, I 100% believe they're going to trade Dame at this point and I th- I thought Dame was going to be moved by this deadline honestly I thought they were going to trade this number three pick and build around Dame because of his loyalty to this team and all that. But I was actually shocked to see uh, them not trade it. And honestly, I think they are a winner because now I think you have Scoot, you have a cornerstone for the future. I think you trade Dame and you, and you build up from the bottom. This team, it, and it's very similar. They're very similar to the Wizards. They've had the opportunity to rebuild so many fucking times and have just never traded Dame. And like the Wizards never traded Beal. I think it's time now for the Blazers to make that jump just like the Wizards did and get into that rebuilding phase. Um, because the worst thing to be is a middle of the pack team or lower middle of the pack team. It's the worst thing to be in sports. So I think it's time for the Blazers to to move on from Dame and move on from that experiment and begin the rebuild. And I think this is a great start. I'm with you, Jordan. I call them winners. Good pick. All right, go Are ahead. Are we doing Letty. a snake draft, by the way? Are we doing a snake? Or are we going back we to Letty? That. I don't think we can figure out a snake right now. So no, Max is the only one who doesn't know how a snake works. Everyone it it else confuses does. me every so, time. All right, so actually, we'll walk you through it. Jordan, why don't you Why don't you pick again? Okay, well, now you're throwing me on the spot. But we can take, we can take multiple winners, right? Is that true? Yes. Correct, correct. Okay, I'll take another winner then, because I really like what the Nets did at 21 and 22, yeah. getting Noah Clowney and Derek Whitehead. So... Whitehead was a guy I talked about uh, with Max in our last episode. I think we drafted him around 28, but I yeah, said, yeah. like, he should go way early, or he could go way earlier. And he's like, he's, he reminds me of 
a lesser version of Michael Porter Jr., where he was a huge recruit coming out of high school, and then he had injuries in college, and but you could still see the talent, and he falls in the draft. So I don't. I think MPJ went like late lottery, but Whitehead goes to twenty two. I think he's going to be a bit of a steal because of his talent. He can just make shots, dude. And he defends like it's like his life depends on it. I really, really like Dariq Whitehead. Obviously, I watched him a lot at Duke. He's one of the players I watched the most in college basketball, but he had a good tournament and he's just a shot maker and a defender and a competitor. So I really like that for the Nets. They're going young too. They have Mikhail and Cam Johnson are their cornerstones. So I like what they're doing there. And then Clowney is obviously just a really good athlete out of Alabama um, and a good big man who who can just get on the court for them right away and impact the game. So I took two winners, but I, I really like what the Nets did there. Uh, I'm going to take a loser here. And it's not um, a team. It's just a pick that I thought was the wrong pick. And that is Jairus Walker at seven. He ends up getting traded to eight for Bilal Koulibaly. And I think the first pick was right, the Bilal Koulibaly pick. Or sorry, so the Pacers drafted Bilal Koulibaly at Max seven. Fuck up the snake. No, yeah. nope. Nope. Did. <laughs> no, he did. No, Letty no, no, went he, first. He didn't, he didn't. Oh, went first. Went first. Okay, okay, okay. I went second. Max went third. Jordan fourth. Max has got it. He's no, doing good. I, I fucked up the pick. So number seven was Bilal Koulibaly to the Pacers. Good pick. Great pick. I love that pick. And then they trade him to. The Wizards, which is great. The Wizards did right there. I like that. And they pick up Jairus Walker, number eight. This doesn't make sense to me first. you, you they This happened afterwards, so they had the opportunity to pick Jairus Walker and then didn't, and then traded the guy they did pick before back for him, which doesn't make any sense. And then to me, Jairus Walker out of the draft, or out of the... um. Lottery has the biggest bust potential. I'm not a Jared Walker guy. He kind of, he's one of those undersized guys with very limited, kind of like a big skill set. And he doesn't really do anything elite. Um, I think he's very limited. And I think he needs to be around other really good players to be successful. Now, on the Pacers, maybe that's where he's optimized, but I think it was way too early to grab him. And the Pacers had a lot of picks, and I think they could have grabbed him. I like, I don't know. They could have grabbed him a lot of other times. And even if you do say like you don't get him, Taylor Hendricks is on the board there. And Taylor Hendricks is a way better version of Jairus Walker. So I don't know what they saw in Jairus Walker. Maybe they thought Taylor Hendricks was actually too um, built up offensively, and they thought that maybe he would take touches from Tyrese Halliburton or whoever. And maybe because Jairus Walker is so limited, the Pacers think that they can slip him in there with Tyrese Halliburton and it would fit better. But the fact that they had the opportunity to take him, didn't take him, and then traded up to, like, traded the pick for the guy before, and then they also had the opportunity to take someone way better and they took Jairus Walker instead. This pick made no sense to me, and I, I just think that's a loser for me. Um, I kind of want to rebuttal to that. I think no. they see... <laughs> I think they see like a uh, a Draymond Green type small forward. Kind That's of what everyone's saying. Through him, um, very skilled passer, uh, very team first oriented player, and dude, apparently on Senior Day, 
there was a story at the draft that he didn't want to start because he wanted a senior to start. And apparently he was doing something with charity during the school year. Like he's a very organization first, um, second fiddle type person. I think he's great for the culture in Indiana, especially with young ball handlers around them. Um, I think he just plays really hard out there. So I actually, I like the pick too. And I like them trading back because there's this thing with the seventh versus the eighth pick where the seventh pick over the three years of a rookie contract makes about like 1.5 mil more than the eighth pick does. So they save a little money there. Um, oh, that's that makes sense. That does make yeah. sense. Yeah, um, so I like the pick. Thanks for making me feel like an asshole, Ed, because I didn't know about any of that charity stuff, so that was good. <laughs> um, do you, I just want to ask, is like, is he, him and Taylor Hendricks, am I on par saying that, like, why is he? Why is Taylor Hendricks not a better version of of Jarris Walker? Uh, they're different players. Jarris is a small forward. Taylor Hendricks is a, more of a power forward type guy. Um, and I feel like Taylor Hendricks is just another version, a smaller version, like you said, of Miles Turner. And I think they already have Miles Turner, so they don't really need another mm-hmm. one. I don't think anyone really needs two Miles Turners ever on their team. So <laughs> you know, Miles Turner guy. I like I like Miles Turner. I like him. I like him. I just don't think he need more than one. <laughs> I mean, he is a lot bigger than Taylor Hendricks, though. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, fair enough. Um, so now it goes to Busty. I'm gonna give out a winner. I'm gonna Love give out it. a winner for you guys. The Boston Celtics. Yeah, calm down. Calm down, Max. Sorry. Calm also, down. wait. Do mention with the Celtics what Letty mentioned that every time they traded down, they created their own TPE. Doing that, so they can. I don't know what the now. fuck that means. So every why time don't they I give down... my spiel, why don't I give my spiel? Then you can explain to people what a TPE is because no one fucking knows. Well, most what a TPE the average is. NBA fan knows, and you should probably learn if you're going to be a casual. Casual. career. We got a casual. Oh. Yeah, you're casual. Psh, psh, casual. Um, yeah, why don't you give us your drunk Boston fan bias right now? No, I'm not going to give you any drunk bias. I'm going to give you the facts. I'm going to give you the card hole, the cold hard, cold hard facts. That was brutal. Um, Jordan Walsh from Arkansas. I saw multiple posts today, not even from any Boston sports account, that he could have been the biggest steal of the draft. Um, he is, in my opinion, and I think uh, statistically as well, one of the most versatile wings in this draft. I think he's the best wing defender in this draft. Uh, I think he has a lot of upside and a lot of potential. Um, I think he is an incredible. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What are you saying? He's an incredible. He's an incredible what? He's an incredible yeah, athlete. He's he's an yeah. incredible athlete um, who can really defend the ball, and also think he has great basketball intuition and, and great IQ. But on top of that, we talked about this before. Just me, Max, and Jordan. Um, the Celtics got so many draft picks out of this. They have so many future second rounders now that opens up so many avenues for what they can do in the future. I'm not really saying that they made out like bandits in this draft personnel wise, just getting the future picks. And we talked about the value of a second round pick and what it was going for and how important it is adding uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Walsh, I think was a great ad. I think it was a great draft pick as well as getting the second rounders to open up avenues to make moves uh, at some point by the end of the summer. Yes, and what when Brad traded down, those picks that he was getting uh, were creating... Whenever you get... The lower the pick, the lower amount of money they make, so he was creating some cap room for himself. So Brad created a bunch of cap room and got a bunch of picks from one pick. And he said that 
they had Jordan Walsh on their big board um, to take at 35 originally. And I think what it was is I, I bet you they wanted to take uh, Omax, but he got taken before them at 25. And then like they were at 25 and he got taken before 25. So then um, I think they traded out and they kept seeing Jordan Walsh be available and they just kept picking up, um, you know, free picks while doing it. So it was an infinite second round pick hack. So Letty, what is your pick? I have a big loser for you guys. I am going with the Talk Atlanta. Um, Whoa. They use their Nobody, no one pick. took the magic, huh? Everyone's talking about the magic as losers. I like the Anthony Black pick. I do. I like it, too. People uh, just think I he's going to be Alfred Payton. People just think he's going to be Alfred Payton because of his big-ass hair. Well, they took Jet Howard, too, at 11. That was a reach. That was a reach. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't hate Jet Howard, and I was saying this to Max earlier. I think... They're a scoring guard away from a play and run. Um, Whoa, from a play and run? A play? Yeah. What? <laughs> Jordan, I was at a hot take. They're awesome. And they're a are scoring awesome. guard, meaning that like is Steph a Curry? Fr- like Dame Lillard? <laughs> no. no, they're no, Dame no. Lillard away from being a playing team. <laughs> yeah, like, thanks okay. for that. No, that's not that's, what he's saying. You're I'm killing with our you, airtime, dude. Um, no, we I'm got unlimited airtime, dude. No, we do have a wiffle ball we game do. starting soon. No, we have no life. We do have unlimited airtime. Um, all right. So they take Kobe Bufkin at 15, right? Instead of trying to find a piece that can complement their two all-star players, their all-star guards in DeJounte and Trey, which they already have enough trouble finding touches for them to, they go and add another ball-dominant point guard. Yeah, that was rough. Um, from, his, from his outfit, his fucking outfit, no shirt. You're giving him an L for the outfit? <laughs> I'm putting him on blast for the outfit. Did you see the, uh... interview, in the interview with Monica McNutt? He leans up trying to flirt with this fucking chick. <laughs> and, then, and then he was touching his mom's thigh. Like, very yeah, that, was a little, that was weird. The whole time she was talking. I think what Atlanta did, and I'm definitely judging a book by its cover here, but I don't like the way that guy carries himself. I think they what? added another, another dick to what no. the Atlanta Hawks are, which they're fucking, they're dicks. Like, whether it's, Trey Young and DeJounte <laughs> clowning the Rockets earlier, which in a game that they lost to the Houston Rockets, and they're clowning hey, them. Hey, the Celtics lost to the Rockets, too. It's a tough team. Whatever, dude. Or, Every good team lost to the Rockets this year at least once. Ooh. Yeah. Except for the Knicks, because they weren't good. <laughs> good. Um, or whether it's DeJounte Murray doing his Drew League bullshit where he's doinking the ball off of some guy's head, just blatant disrespecting people. Um. I hate this pick for the Hawks. I don't think they get better. I think they need wings because their wings are getting off um, rookie contracts now and John Collins and uh, and DeAndre Hunter. Um, And, yeah, they just – they continued their undisciplined um, culture that they have. Yeah, great pick there, Letty. All right, that's going to do it for us here at the Lovecast. Thank you all for listening. We will be back very soon, and 